are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. And yes, today you are going to get the truth because we are reading from God's Word. This is a chapter that I have been very excited to do for a long time, Jesse. As you know, the Lord has been speaking. The Lord has been speaking to me and you about the book of Acts for quite some time. I'll estimate about a year now and uh this is the birth of the church right here right now in this reading jesse it absolutely is i'm excited for this and and listen for everyone who's uh on uh youtube and the other streaming platforms we're on i'm trying an experiment uh with uh doing a pod bean live at the same time uh, so I'm going to be having to check that every from time to time again because I don't know if it's going to be echoing on there. I don't know how it's uh, actually going to be working. So uh, bear with me because this is intentional congruence and you're going to see demonstration after demonstration of intentional congruence inside of this particular broadcast. Um, and why do I say that is because we're doing more than one thing at once with this. Uh we're going to be discussing what's happening in the future, even in the text of uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. But also, Jesse, you and I are going to be making, well, somewhat of an announcement at some point during this broadcast. We certainly are. And and it's because the Lord, you know, the Lord typically speaks to us in the same manner. We, uh, Jesse gets a piece, I get a piece, and uh, and there's a couple other people uh, in our midst that uh, we know are really in sync with the Spirit. Uh, that way, uh, you just knit it in together. It doesn't mean that he, if you you're not <laughs> you, that you're not knitted in with the Spirit, but uh, just for there's a certain group of us uh, and that we are really knitted together and we hear the same things. At the same time, and and basically in the last 48 hours, Jesse and I have both been getting downloads, and they're such a compliment to each other, and it's answered some questions that we've been pondering for about a month or so, uh, and, and so it's going to be really excited. You don't want to miss it, so stay <laughs> tuned here. Um, and just uh, before we get into the prayer, I also just want to thank uh Watching Wall and Shiloh for that beautiful prayer session last night. I only got in at the end, but there was just such joy in that room. My goodness, that's what it's all about. So if you join the prayer, here's the promise. You're going to be filled with joy <laughs> by the end. So if you're not feeling enough joy in your life, perhaps you need to join the Singing Poor Prayer Celebration. We do call it a celebration for a reason that is intentional. And, uh, and also it would be remiss of me not to, uh, say if you missed the Saturday night sermon last night, uh, it was profound. The, the depth, uh, of the word, such an encouragement. And it's basically showing Jesus's love in, and one of his, uh, first miracles that, 
you wouldn't expect these things to be put together they, the way they were. Uh, it's fun, it's informative, and you're going to be blessed. So go back and listen to it. And also, Jesse, when I was walking my dog this morning, I believe God spoke to me that we should have a show on Monday. And no, I'm not asking you to work. <laughs> I'm going. Oh, you kind of throw us up there. Keep going. A reading with what we're talking about here in this broadcast today. It has Can you everything to do that with last what... bit. I don't know if I froze, but I think you froze up a bit. If you don't mind repeating it, I think we missed what you just shared. All right. So what I just shared was simply this. On uh, Monday, we're gonna I'm gonna be putting up a replay of a show we did recently because it ties in to exactly what we're teaching here today. And it's one of those things you might not put it together at first, but if you listen closely to this and then you listen to the broadcast on Monday at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, even if you just heard it recently, listen to it again and then compare it to Acts, Acts 2 in particular. So that is a little hint for you. Jesse, would you open us up in prayer, please? Yes. Give me one second, Jeff. It looks like I'm having some internet issues here. Um, let me try to get my hot spot on real quick, if you don't mind. And then, actually, I'll... I'll pray, then get the hot spot on. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We ask that you would bless it, that you would go before us. We just pray against all technical issues, all attempts the enemy may try to hinder or to keep us from being in your word today. We boldly proclaim that this is the day that you have made, that we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, Lord, we just come. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. We ask that you would increase our faith and that today would be a day where your spirit would just come and fall heavy upon us and that we would go forth and be sent forth to do your will and that um, you would give a mighty display of your power through the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, the cleansing of the lepers, and the rebuking of demons. We ask for this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Right on, right on, right on. Yes, that was an anointed prayer. Absolutely. So, Jesse, why don't you start off with reading? It's a, We have a lot of reading today, so you can start out, and then I will continue wherever you leave off. Oh, Jesse, did you freeze again? Yep. Okay. It should be good now. All right. All right. So I, I just like said to uh, start reading. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty long chapter, so just read to where you feel is a natural break, and I will take over from there. All right. Sounds great. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, and Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue was overjoyed. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day. So because he was a prophet and knew what God had sworn to him with the oath 
to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, and nor did his flesh suffer decay. It is this Jesus whom God raised up, a fact to which you are all witnesses. Therefore, since he has been exalted at the right hand of God and has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make enemies of your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received this word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And so many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that no one had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Jesse, we might have to take two, we might have to do this over two weeks. <laughs> we may have to, <laughs> but that's all right. We'll take our time and go as the Spirit leads. That's right. Amen. Uh, you know what? I, I think some, some of it is so. Uh, just self-explanatory, but yet at the same time, there's such depth in this. And it's so important because this is the birth of the church. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we are having church right now. A church is a congregation. We are congregated together. Now, it's better if we were together in the flesh. There's no doubt. But we are gathered together around the Lord's word and... We're lifting him up. We glorify him. His word glorifies him. He's perfect. And what I think we're going to discover here is, you know, this was a very special time, obviously, the day of Pentecost. But Jesse, 
God is a God of repeating patterns. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's going to do exactly what he did here again, because he doesn't have to, but he does say what he's going to do. And he makes it very clear in this chapter. So why don't we, uh, why don't we start off and see where the spirit leads us with this, Jesse? Um, <laughs> this is this is exciting, and and it's exciting because we're going to be talking about some stuff uh, in the midst of this that uh, you'll want to pay attention to. So when the day of Pentecost had come and they were all together in one place because they were instructed to all gather in one place and stay there and wait for the gift of the Spirit. Oh, did you hear whistling? Yep. <laughs> That's that my was, phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that, was that was the first work of God, Jeff. <laughs> Amen. All right. So the day of Pentecost came, and uh, and why don't we just really start at uh, at verse two because we if we dissect every single verse here like we normally do. It we'll never get through it. <laughs> but suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. Let's just stop there. The wind, Jesse. So um. I have, I've experienced this uh, once before in my life. Um, I was in, uh, mom had gone to church, a new little church that was in town. Um, oh. Yeah, it looks like you're having some internet problems there today, Jesse. Heavenly Father, we just commit once again this technology to you, God. You're the God over the internet. You're the God of all things. Uh, let your word go forward. Please keep this uh, technology going. Uh, let your word go forward without hindrance. Uh, Father, we just recommit this to you, and we thank you. We give you praise, God. Amen. And Jesse should be coming back momentarily. The wind is blowing her back into internet connection. I think I'm back. <laughs> You're back. All right. I had an exciting story too. So we're going to pray that it stays. But um, yeah, so my mother and I had gone to this little church and, um, you know, it was a new one in town. And as I walked in the door, there was a man there who um, greeted me at the door and he was the special speaker that day. So he wasn't even the pastor. He wasn't somebody from that congregation. And as he took my hand to shake it, as I walked in the door, he looked in my eyes and he said, I am a prophet of the Lord. Now I was only 17 and I was still, you know, New, we'll just say to some of the miraculous workings of God, like that year was when God really started to show me very powerful miracles. So as I looked at him in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, right, buddy. If you read the Bible, you would know all the prophets are dead. Like That's literally what I thought. So we go in there and, you know, he goes up to to the front after worship, you know, he, he starts 
pointing out people in the audience. And as he's speaking out over them, like these people literally were falling on their knees and weeping. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, like all I can explain it as is like this fear, but it wasn't like a bad fear. It was just like this fear fell upon me and I hit the ground on my knees and I was shaking and I like literally was covering my eyes and I was sitting there praying and I was like, Lord, what in the world is going on? What is this? And all of a sudden I hear this sound and it was just like this, like, and it went throughout the whole room and there was no fan. There was only one door and it was closed. And I was like, what in the world is that? I bet. And I called him stupid guy. I was like, I bet that stupid guy is tapping on his microphone. Right? So I opened my eyes to look up and to look at him. And as I did that, all of a sudden he points right at me and he says, you right there. And then he interpreted a dream. I had told no one about this dream, but he said, it is time. The Lord says, take the luncheon meat that Amos the prophet gave you out of your back pocket. That is the word of God. That is the meat of God. Take it out of your back pocket and feed it to God's people. And then he continued to prophesy scripture. I mean, it was like straight scripture verses. He prophesied like five or six verses over me throughout the um, last 30, we'll just say 34 years. I will tell you, five of those six scriptures have been fulfilled verse by verse. Very interesting. So, yeah. Wow. That's a very specific prayer. So the first thing is, did you have lunch meat in your back pocket from Amos? <laughs> I did. That was my dream. I, I had this weird dream. I I spent three months praying and asking the Lord to reveal to me because it, it was just a simple dream that you would think nothing of, you know, where I had seen, I didn't even know who Amos the prophet was at that time. I hadn't read that book in the Bible until after that dream. And so I, one night I'm dreaming, I just see this, it ended up being a Joshua tree. So I see Amos the prophet standing under a Joshua tree. In the background is Amasa, King David's nephew. And I didn't know who he was at the time either. I just, in my dream though, I knew that's who they were. And so Amos just gives me this packet of luncheon meat and told me to stick it in my back pocket. And I, and I woke up and like literally it was gnawing at my heart. I was like, God, what does this mean? And I was seeking him on it. And then just like that, I show up at this church and he sent a prophet to interpret it. <laughs> just like that. And it's yeah. a church you had never yeah. been to before. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That is a God ordained moment. There's no doubt about it. You can't make this stuff up. So I guess, you know, just when I, when I read this, I remembers when uh, Jesus said, you know, the spirit uh, comes and goes just, just no one knows which way the wind blows. And, but what sticks out to me 
is this was a noise that came. Mm. It was a noise. And, you know, just like uh, there was always noises, like when the Ten Commandments came and things like that, there was there was an audible, plus the next verse is there's a visual. Uh, and it filled, the, so the noise filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, uh, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. So now... You not only have the wind, but we have the fire. And the fire, this is a visual thing, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got an audible, we've got a vid- visual. And by the way, has, has God ever appeared as wind or fire before, Jesse? Absolutely, yeah. In the Old Testament, it said he would appear by day as a cloud and then as a fire by night. That's right. And he was the burning bush. He was, you know, uh, he's these. So this is God saying, this is God's way of showing, uh, and the Holy spirit essentially making an entrance right, uh, Mm -hmm. into this room where 120 were and, you know, 120, just when we think of the 12, uh, disciple or 12 apostles and stuff. And then, you know, the multiplication by 10, like it just, there's so much stuff we can get into here, but, um, yeah. and then they began to speak in tongues, which was the demonstration of God's power. So they had an aud- audible demonstration, a visual demonstration, and then a physical demonstration. Is there any doubt this is from God at this point? Right. And what's interesting is that literally they're hearing the Lord's words spoken through these men in their own language. Yeah. In many different languages, because there was people from all over the region, right? Like there was, you know, all the, all the different towns and things like that. And then, you know, it's the Galilean guys that are doing this and they must be drunk because the Galileans were kind of like the, the guys who, I guess in today's words, you'd call them like almost country bumpkins or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not the sophisticated city dwellers, you know? Um, And, but they're speaking in this perfect. So, you know, it's funny. They're, they're being accused of being drunk because they're so filled with joy, but at the same time, they're speaking other languages perfectly. Yeah. And I think this was a direct sign. Um, You know, we've talked about that. There were a lot of prophecies that were spoken about the Messiah that Israel was waiting for. And, you know, what would be the signs that he had arrived or that he had come, you know? And so with that, one of those prophecies was that out of Galilee, I shall call my son. And so, you know, I think that this was a continuance that, you know, when Jesus died, there were a lot of people who doubted that, you know, they they came up with excuses, the guards you know, were paid money to claim that he was, his body was stolen, that he hadn't resurrected. And so I think that this was a direct sign to those Israelites that, you know, not only Israelites, but the Gentiles who were there as well, 
you know, that he's not dead, that this is God's chosen son that came out of Galilee. And that the sign is that, you know, you're going to hear the Galileans preaching to you in your own language. Totally. And, and, you know, obviously he was there in the flesh with them. Uh, but so this is just another fulfillment of the prophecies, right? Because not mm -hmm. only does he, because we're in the new covenant now, this is the new covenant. The old covenant was under the law, which was fulfilled. Now we have the new covenant and God's spirit is here with us in this new covenant. And this new covenant, uh, you know, because it says, you know, in the end days that this would happen. So when are the end days? Uh, obviously, you know, right, right at the beginning of, uh, of Peter's sermon, he talked about the end days. But the end days, it, it actually answers itself. It goes from when Jesus came the first time till when Jesus comes the second time. Those are the end days. Right. Yeah. So they're not drinking wine because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the bar, the bar isn't open yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And, and he only brought that out at nighttime. <laughs> what gets me to here is, you know, Peter is the first one to step up. And you look at how much Peter has grown because Peter was the one who denied Christ and had to go and weep yeah. in the side. And, you know, he was a, you know, I won't let the devil do that. To you. you know, like he was, he was a bit of a ruffian, but yet he mm -hmm. gives the most eloquent first sermon and you know i don't think he uh he sat back and you know worked on this sermon all week because he knew he'd be preaching it that day this just came to him yeah. and he was speaking the lord's word and uh it's, it's so amazing that he was peter it gives gives guys like guys like me a hope <laughs> <laughs> the little guy who packs the punch <laughs> yeah 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 he certainly does so uh, Peter takes the stand of the 11 and raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea who live in Jerusalem, know this and pay attention to my words for these people are not drunk as you assume since it's only the third hour of the day, but this has what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. So immediately he's bringing them back because there's Pharisees in the room. There's people who want to doubt this. There's the mockers, right? Right. So he's, don't you know the prophet? Don't you know these things that were written? And he, he just totally gets them, you know? Yeah. And it shall be, uh, let me read that again, because is, is this only for 2000 years ago, Jesse? Or when I read these words that God specifically put in here, in fact, it says, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour my spirit on all mankind. So are yeah. we in the last days? We absolutely are. And, you know, I want to bring out what's kind of interesting about this too is, um, I don't know if, the, I wouldn't say this is necessarily the first time, but what's very intriguing is that um, they're not, in a synagogue that they're not in the house of god as this is happening um you know they're 
not separated men from women. They're all together, you know, Jews, Gentiles, Pharisees, <laughs> Sadducees, you know, all these people were gathered to this house in this home where this is happening. And um, they're seeing a display of God's power in just what they would consider like a regular or unholy place, even. Yeah. Not the sanctified religious temple. Um, mm -hmm. Again, it's not a building. It's the church is you when you're gathered right. in congregation with other believers. That's church. And we're going to see because this is, you know, there's the Old Testament model where there was the altars, there was the sacrifices, there, but all those things were fulfilled. And what we see in the book of Acts is God's model for the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just want to read this again. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Jesse, I really, truly believe that we are coming into a place again and even greater than this time to be walking in God's authority. That's right. Even greater. And it's not because we are greater. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with us. It's just God's plan. And as the world gets more and more wicked, God, the Father, the key word is the Father, wants as many people to not feel the curse of death. That's right. That's certainly, you know, what he is all about. So he will I pour think too, you know, out. it shows the power of, of God, or we'll just say it shows his, his longings, his desires that, you know, he didn't just desire to have a few people set apart to be priests or those who could, you know, minister within the power of his presence, because up until this point, you know, really the only time the people of Israel saw the spirit of God moving in an individual, it was in that individual basis. You know, they would see a prophet, they would see God with a priest, or they would see God with a king, um, you know, those that he anointed. And then, you know, there were a few select instances but it was very individualistic. So this is the first time really where with a mass group, you're seeing that power of God and the power of his presence being extended upon all men and offered, you know, for all to come, not just a few. Uh, that's a great point because that, that's the difference. One of the differences between the old and the new Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just like Jesus made new wine, uh, just think of that in reference to these scriptures, you know, again, they're being accused of the wine, different thing, but um, <laughs> we have a new wine skin, you might say, because we're under the new covenant. Yeah. And I, and I, and I love this part and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Mm-hmm. 
And I just want to stop there. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of debate about so-called prophets and things like that, and I'm not going to enter that debate right now. But what is interesting, your sons and daughters will prophesy. According to the scriptures, Jesse, who is supposed to prophesy? Are I guess, well, according to that, it's going to be you know, those that God gives the message to, which is defined as the sons and the daughters. That's right. So not everyone will prophesy, but actually God says all shall prophesy. Mm -hmm. We're actually called to prophesy. It doesn't mean you're a prophet, but you're called to prophesy. And to prophesy is not just to have visions, not just to have dreams and interpret them, but to prophesy if Jesse or if I if I come to Jesse, for instance, and I have an issue in my life, and Jesse goes, Oh, well, I got exactly the scripture for you, which by the way, she does. Um <laughs> Jesse is prophesying. God's word into my life. That's right. And I like that you define that, that, you know, what is a prophet? What is prophesying? It's simply somebody who hears the words of God and who speaks forth the words of God. And the key words are words of God, not your words. <laughs> it's the, right. the prophesy, it's the words of God. But I think it's good to put in there that, um, you know, that as a prophet, just like with the Gospels, the Lord, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to always be word for word straight out of Scripture, that the Lord will put on your heart, you know, the way to speak those words to somebody else. Yes, so, uh, because it becomes a personalized message. Right. That's right. Yeah, but but it is God's word and God's will is in his word, obviously. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. a great point. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know, in 1611 King James English, you know. Right. And there's an and, accountability there, you know, that when you are delivered a word to give out, the Lord expects you to give it out. And if you don't give out that word, um, it's going to be something that's going to gnaw at you until you do. And if you're disobedient, you may very well experience a Jonah moment, you know, where <laughs> a whale swallows you and spews you out where you need to go, you know. So I'll just give that word of caution that, you know, it, it's a high honor, a high call to receive those words from God. And, you know, a lot in the church, um, the church doesn't encourage children to prophesy, um, you know, but we have to ask if the kids are meant to prophesy, shouldn't this be something that we are meant to share with our children, you know, to read to them out of scripture, to read the stories of the prophets of old and to share those words with our kids, um, you know, and I, I don't believe there is an age limit. You know, I've worked with the very young, you know, the the one to, or we'll just say infant to age five uh, in Sunday school. 
And I have always found that, you know, even what we consider complex spiritual concepts, that these children can easily understand and comprehend uh, the word of God and these profound spiritual truths. And, you know, kids listen to the children if they tell you you know particularly if they've been you know studying and love have a love of the lord uh what's beautiful about children is they have a lot less life experience to filter crap through you know what i mean like uh because you hear it oh i couldn't be that because god didn't do this before you know we have these preconceived things as we get older and uh and, you know, that's, I think even here, that's why it says in your young men will see visions and things like, because, you know, typically a lot of movement usually does come from youthful people. They're more energetic. They're, you know, let's face it. I'm not as energetic as I was in my twenties. And, you know, so God wants to move through the youth and it doesn't mean that, you know, we have a different place uh, as we get older. Uh, we're supposed to be more the wiser councils and things like that. But let's face it, if someone's meant to run the mile and uh, and you're not, you let the other person do it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I love this part here because, and even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So... Mm-hmm. If if anyone thinks that this is, you can't, pro, well, no, no, women cannot prophesy. Men are put in that house of place of authority. Uh, you know, listen, there's some truth to that in some circumstances, okay, according to God's word, but women are very much part of the ministry. And women are called to prophesy. Women are called to give words. It says it right here. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting speaking about the women that, you know, the majority of the churches have held back the ministry stories of these women who were alongside of the apostles. Um, The only church that still has, or that I guess promotes them the most, I would say, would be the Orthodox Church. But they had amazing ministries and there are books that chronicle those ministries, especially of Mary Magdalene and, uh, you know, some of the other women um, who helped out the widows and helped uh, the orphans, the children ministries. Um, so I would encourage people to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, it was Mary Magdalene's testimony uh, important? Why would Jesus have her with him the whole time. What about his mother? And by the way, they're here in this room when this is happening, right? Right. You know, they're here. They're they're very much a part of this whole thing. When Pentecost came, it's it's not like Jesus out, oh, mom, you got to stay outside. You know, this is for uh it's for the ones I chose. <laughs> you know, it's like no, right. they're in this room. What an amazing testimony. You know, I just think of her life, like what she came out of and to have that redemption where, you know, a lot of times individuals who have um, come out of darkness in their life will just say whether it's, you know, promiscuity or prostitution or, um, 
you know, pornography, drugs, alcohol, all of that stuff, there's so much guilt or shame that our current day churches put upon people and basically, you know, get them in this position where they're rendered useless for the kingdom of God. But we see here, you know, who, who are those who are gathered in this room? You know, the redeemed, the redeemed prostitute, the redeemed tax collectors, you know, the redeemed Pharisees are called. So it was, you know, I just love that ex- or display of redemption that God didn't withhold his spirit, you know, from them. He freely gave. Not only that, he raised up into positions that we consider positions of power. You know, the a, a calling of a prophet is a very high calling. You know, even speaking the words of God is a high calling. But with that, you know, we know that one, in order to do that, they had to be able to hear the voice of God and then to have that boldness and courage to speak forth whatever God told them to. It showed their faithful love and commitment and obedience to him. That's right. And you know, if you do get one of those words and you don't give it, uh, listen, God will use someone else. He will get his message delivered. But you're you're right, uh, Jesse, if you hold on to it and because you're you're scared, look, don't be scared. Fear is not from God. You know, absolutely. Uh, it's just no other way to put it. Um be be bold and uh, uh but one other thing I'll I'll just say this uh, while we're talking about prophesying and um, if you have a word for someone and it's like, uh, if you don't turn from your ways, you're going to go to hell, you know, or, or something like that. Um, check that word because I, I would say that, uh, could God say that God can do whatever God wants, but I would say that the, when you give without, without extreme, uh, exception, when you prophesy into someone's life, first of all, you should have permission to do it. Uh, and the other thing is it should edify them. It should build them up, not put them in a panic. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with it has to, that you have to have permission. You know, I certainly did not give the prophet who prophesied over me permission, but um, you know, I agree with, Partially with that, I, I believe, you know, prophecies can be both encouraging and building up. I believe that the others, if they are warning or caution, you know, they're meant to get you to that place where you're walking in a right relationship with God. And sometimes, you know, we just need that knock on the head to get our attention and our focus where it needs to go. So, um well, you know yeah. what? So we're we're actually in agreement with that because you got although that was a very personal word, it wasn't like uh it wasn't like a friend of yours saying, "Look, I know what you've been doing and this is what God mm-hmm. says to you." Uh, that right. when I when I with that sort of thing, you really need to have permission in that relationship. That that's kind of what I'm getting mm-hmm. at, but okay. uh, something that you. was kind of generic uh that like that wouldn't have hurt you or helped you. Uh um, you know, unless it was just true, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah. I think we. I think yeah, we, we can be in that. agreement on that. I think we're kind of talking <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I will display so and and they will prophesy. I want to get back to that. Men and women will prophesy. That's not uh, well. Maybe you will or not. No, you will prophesy. So everyone who's listening to this broadcast right now, uh, God's words, not mine. You will prophesy. And then God says, and when you do that, hey, I'm going to display wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun (laughs) will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And as we know from our study in Revelation, um, and in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, you know, Luke 21, what happens when the blood fire, the, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood? What's that the signal for? Uh, we'll say the, the last of the last days. That's well, that's when the Lord comes in the clouds. That's, yeah. that's the glorious day of the Lord. So, what we have here is in reference, we have the beginning of the new of the old end times, and the beginning of the end times is when Jesus came to earth, you know, he, his first appearance, and then this is the end of the end times, right here, the That's day right. of the Lord. So, we are in end days, and if they were in end days 2,000 years ago, we're really in end days now. <laughs> just you know uh it, it seems that right. way to me anyways <laughs> so we had some in the um audience asking about the word uh pentecost and its meaning um it comes from the greek word pentecost uh meaning the fifth 50th um it was part of connected to the Jewish festival celebrated on the, um, the 50th day after the first fruits known as the feast of weeks. So, um, that's what it comes from. If people are wanting to understand that better. And so they were here and this is 50 days after that, essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, he was walking, you know, he, after his resurrection, he spent 40 days with them at, before his ascension, and then they were told to wait. So there was that waiting period of 10 days before the Holy Spirit came. That's right. Oh, Jesse, there's so much here. I, I think we could plow through it, though. All right, let's do it. So... Then he says, men of Israel, again, listen to the words of Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God through the miracles and wonders and signs God performed through him in your midst, just as yourselves know. So because there was no denying in town that, you know, Jesus was there and he was doing these things. We just uh, think of the miracle that uh, was taught about in the, the service yesterday about the cripple who was lowered in through the roof. In, uh, in Mark 2, you know, like th- this was undeniable. And there was a big crowd and there were Pharisees waiting outside wanting to trap Jesus, right? So 
Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, you saw this, you cannot deny it. That's right. You know, what was interesting is I just caught this for the first time too, is that with this, like in connection with that 50th day, it, it was the 50th day right before around that time of the Feast of Weeks. And so in a way, this event was the catalyst that set the weeks into motion spiritually, you know, the weeks that Daniel's talking about. Because doesn't that line in with that time frame that you spoke about where there would be so many weeks you know, between point A to point B. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, that's right. So if, you know what, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I had never considered that uh, just as you hadn't. And, and I noticed that Debbie in Italy had, uh, and just put that as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that, uh, you know what, I, I gotta, I gotta pray on that. I, uh, but it, listen, definitely, you know, so when we talk about uh, going into the tribulation, uh, period than the great tribulation because we did say they are separate um then uh and then you know the the blood goes moon the sun goes dark uh that is the 70th week essentially that's the end of or actually sorry that's just past the midpoint in the 70th week right so very very interesting but yeah th this could be would this be this the first week of the 70 weeks Right. Yeah. I got to do some math on that. I think that, that could be a really interesting study. Yeah. Very interesting, huh? Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so this man delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men who put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death, since it's impossible for him to be held in its power. Mm -hmm. I just had to keep going there, Jesse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he, you know, he said, you put him to death, you ungodly men. But God raised him and he took the sting right. out of death. We don't have to worry about death anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. And then, then he, then uh, Peter quotes the Psalms here, and uh, for David said of him, "I saw the Lord continually before me, because He's at the right hand side, so that I would not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, and my tongue was overjoyed. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope." For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. And Hades is obviously hell, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the place of the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Uh, Jesus' body didn't stay in the grave. Mm -hmm. It never decayed, right? right? And I think that's why the Shroud of Turin is such an important piece of evidence for our faith. Well, if you believe the Shroud of Turin is a proof, but. I do. Very cool. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm still up in air about it. I, I still debate whether it's 
the validity of it. Just because I see things that they're doing with it, like, you know, they've taken what they believe is the DNA or we'll just say the imaging that was on that shroud and they've now taken it and put it through a 3D printer and printed an image or a body of what they believe was Jesus Christ. Well, and so. I and I won't I won't comment on that. But uh, one of the things that really spoke to me was because they found that the the blood still had life in it, and they there was only twenty three chromosomes, which meant uh, there was no male uh, counterpart in the uh, in pregnancy. Essentially, it it really validified immaculate conception because it wasn't forty six chromosomes; it was only twenty three. So again, it's just science proving God. Yeah, there's some different things on that. So it's very interesting. I have not ruled it out, but I'm still wrestling with that one. And and I won't say it's the gospel truth either. So we'll, <laughs> we'll agree on that again, Jesse. Right. Very cool. Uh, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. I just, just let, let me actually, Jesse, you read that because you have such a nice voice. Just read 28 again. It's so beautiful. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And obviously these are from the Psalms here that Peter's quoting. Uh, but is this for, is this for you and, you know, who's gathered with us today? Is this scripture for you? I say, yeah, this wasn't just to this audience. This is written that this is canonized. Claim the scripture. And when you're filled up with God, it's impossible not to have joy. I'm <laughs> just saying. Right. <laughs> It's impossible. So powerful. Yeah, and I love how he, you know, he goes on to even bring more, you know. Um, I think some of this is addressing the struggle that, that the Israelites were having, you know, where they believed that the Messiah would be present in a physical form, you know, that he was going to come and establish an earthly reign and subdue all their enemies. And so, you know, who did they look to as that patriarch who was the symbol that that promise came through that was David, you know, and, and they said, and Peter goes on, he says, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died. He was buried. His tomb is here to this day. And, you know, he says, you can even go see it for yourself. You yeah. can see his bones. You can see where his body is laid. Um, and it's not just like, you know, this generation claiming that's David. You know, it, th this knowledge has been passed on through the centuries where, you know, they know that that is David's body. And um, but he says you know, brings the promise out, you know. Um, but he, referring to David, was a prophet. He knew God promised him an oath 
and he would place one of his descendants on this throne. He spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah and you know, he wasn't abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Uh, so David spoke that out over his seed that was yet to come. And, uh, you know, it did come to pass, you know, that this is one of the first proofs that, you know, all these disciples, all these, you know, not just the three who were closest or the 12 that were the inner group, you know, or the 72 that were kind of the bigger group of disciples, um, all of Israel got to see this resurrection. They got to see the Lord walking around. They got to see the, you know, the dead who had been raised um, right after his crucifixion, who wandered the city for 40 days and 40 nights. They got to experience that yeah. and, uh, you know, got to see and hear. And, and he's also, he's really just shutting down any arguments they can have. He's just putting them in their place. Like, look, look guys, you know, right. you better pay attention. Like it starts off, hear my words. And, you know, he's taking away just as Jesus did when he was asking, when the Pharisees were asking him all the questions and, you know, he responds to them and they just, they couldn't, he shut them up. Right. And that's very right. much what Peter is doing here. Yeah, and I love this next. I mean, the biggest argument he, I think he's addressing is, you know, that Jesus was both a man, you know, the promised Messiah as a man, but that he was God. And in those days, you know, you didn't give men a title that even put them on the same level with God. You know, there were certain names that were only used for God as you were speaking about him or to him. But here, you know, Peter is so clear. You know, he even brings out that David, you know, your patriarch who spoke out and prophesied about his own seed, who does he say Jesus is? And he brings in those prophecies. You know, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And Peter says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so I think that's the turning point. You know, it was the same turning point that, you know, when Israel was wavering in their faith, they were debating you know, who is God uh, with Elijah when he was, you know, at war with the prophets of Baal? They all stood on the mountain watching Elijah and the prophets of Baal cry out to their gods. And, you know, Elijah says, you know, this day you must choose your, you know, all of you who your faith is wavering. Today you're going to know who is the Lord. And he's going to show himself forth by fire. And so here again, what do we have? We have a second time where that is clearly displayed. The Lord appears not just on one man or on an altar as a spirit of fire, 
but they're literally seeing those tongues of fire, the spirit of God fall upon all men, all women who were there. Yeah. It's just so amazing. And of course, you know, because of all the commotion that happened, then people started to gather as they would in those days. And now there's the the larger audience. Um, but when, when Peter says, and you crucified him, this is really important because this is just what Je- it goes along with exactly what Jesse was saying. It's a real turning point. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, which means that that's the heaviest conviction. Like, Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. we really did. He really was the guy, right? You know, it's all making sense. Everything, every scripture is being fulfilled here. Uh, you can't have that many things mm-hmm. fulfilled and for it not to be truth. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, just a couple things here. Um, this is such a great sermon that Peter gives because it has all the elements, you know, uh, it, you know, he, he talks about the proofs of God. It talks about the death and the resurrection that, that, uh, you know, and he gets, he gets through that pretty quick, but then he, mm-hmm. he, he makes the apologetics. Like here's why the scriptures are real, but then he mm-hmm. read leads them right to repentance. And he said to them, repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want to just make a point here. Um, When you look at the guy, the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to be baptized. So salvation does not rest on you being baptized. However, we're commanded to be baptized in multiple. And by the way, Jesus did it. It's pretty good thing for you to do, but the baptism is the dying of oneself and coming out of the deep, out of the grave being renewed, but it all, how it interconnects is, well, first of all, repentance to be renewed is to say, Hey, I don't, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm a different person, male or female. I'm a different person. But to accept salvation is to simply believe. And then when you have a baptism, it's an outward gesture to show it's a public witness, but it's also a very special time. I know a lot of people come out of the water and the Holy Spirit just comes on them, Mm -hmm. you know. I've seen it many times, not every time. Okay. Uh, Maybe maybe God's got a different moment in that person's life to do that with them. But Mm -hmm. um, the perfect combination is to really be saved, repent, and get baptized. And I want to address, there is kind of um, a theological issue that a lot of people bring out here. Um. You know, there are some churches or groups that that claim that, you know, this verse means that, you know, if you don't um, repent and be baptized, that you cannot be saved because it says, you know, that we do this for the forgiveness of your sins. So, Jeff, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you well, know, it, that's you exactly say, what I was that's exactly what I was getting at. If that okay. was the case, then Jesus was a liar when he was on the cross. Cause he said, 
to the thief, eh, you'll be with me this day. Right. The thief never went through the baptismal tub, you know. Uh, he didn't have time to get, uh, you know, fully up on scripture. Uh, the thief just believed and he had salvation. Right. Now, that's not a normal circumstance. We're not crucified every day. Uh, if you have the ability to, you know, get baptized, you should get baptized. Uh, but, you know, and it doesn't have to be the day after you, you know, seek salvation. You might want to prepare for it in your heart. You might want to be praying, God, when, would you would you come and fill me with that power that I read in Acts 2? Lord God, when I get, when I get baptized, will you come? Will your spirit come down on me? Uh, you can ask the Holy, Holy Spirit, can I come out speaking in tongues if you want to have an outward expression, if you want to have that warfare prayer? If you, you know, you can ask for these things and God is sovereign. Maybe he has a different time in your life, but if you really spend time preparing and taking a baptism seriously, I'm pretty sure God's going to meet you there in some amazing way. It might not be the way you asked, but it will be an amazing way because his supernatural power amazes every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it, you know, this, this passage, it addresses two different situations. Um, you know, I believe first we have salvation and then we have that process where we're working out our salvation. So many would call that the sanctification process or um, the redemption process. So I believe that that's what this verse is addressing, that, you know, the only qualification for that salvation is that you believe. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. And as you confess those sins and ask him to be Lord of your life, his word says that we die with Christ and we're raised into new life with him. And that's his work. You know, the only thing we have to do is believe and accept that there's nothing else that we have to do besides simply accept that and we are saved. But what this is speaking of is that sanctification process that, you know, we all know that as we're working out our salvation, there's still moments where we fall into sin or temptation. And, you know, so it addresses that right standing in our position with God. How do we, you know, stand in righteousness, we don't, you know, even though we have the full ability to attain that righteousness the moment we're saved, it's something that we have to learn with the Lord. And, we, you know, there isn't anybody who has that complete righteousness right away. You know, the Lord didn't make the process that way. He wants us to learn to walk with Him. And so, you know, this is one of the signs that you know you're making a public display that you are coming into that fullness of agreement with the spirit of god and you want to walk out that fullness of your faith and righteousness and in right standing and therefore you're making a public display or declaration of that right standing that you're choosing to come into agreement with the lord on and so that's how, you know, I see that verse, um, you know, definitely I separate it from, you know, salvation. And again, you know, one of the main proofs I use also is that thief on the cross, that 
he, you know, there's, there's so many who would have been left out if, you know, they had to be baptized in order to be saved. You know, even think of little children, little children aren't who pass away or who die are not always baptized either before their death. So, you know, there'd be a lot of people who'd be left out. So I think that's probably the best way to explain that passage. I, I think you did an amazing job there. And listen, the whole key to this thing is is our faith. If you want your prayers answered, faith. You know, mm-hmm. oh oh Jesse, I, I have to I have to put up a a comment from someone, and only you and I are gonna know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just wait. Let me put a tweeting. <laughs> Speaking of prophesying oh, but... to someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So I, I'm I, I'm really bad. I <laughs> Jesse, do you forgive me? <laughs> yeah. And and I saw some questions in there about baptism. You know, it's um so you know, with infant baptism. You're right. There isn't any scriptures uh, that promote that, except for um, with uh, Nicodemus. Uh, Scripture tells us that when Nicodemus got saved, he and his entire household were baptized. So, you know, everybody in his household, whether old, young, didn't matter, they were all baptized. So I think you know, from my experience as a chaplain as well, there's moments where, you know, I've baptized um, infants. It's not something that I personally, you know, I don't believe that it it's their ticket into heaven. I'll just say that. Like, I not don't great. believe that. But I believe God honors, you know, the Lord knows that if that little one is dying and you baptize, I believe the Lord does take those children into heaven you know, because they're not even at an age where they can make that decision known. They're in that place where they are in right standing with God. And, you know, he calls the little children unto himself. So, you know, I think parents can rest, let their hearts rest in that fact that, you know, the Lord isn't going to condemn little children um, who aren't of age to make that decision for themselves to hell. Um but, you know, it's not that process of baptism that gets them saved. You know, if your child passes and isn't baptized, it doesn't mean that they're going to hell either. Baptism is not the mode of salvation. Um, it's that position of being in relationship with God. And we know that, you know, or I'll just say, I believe that all little children are in that position automatically where they're in the Lord's presence, um, you know, and they're able to communicate, pray, talk with God. They, they understand some of those spiritual truths um, and have not been actively at that place where they're even sinning, you know, at that young of an age. So. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, I, I guess I'm not sure, but I believe that the age of accountability is really 13 years old. You know, that's when someone's going to be making their own choices. But, you know, listen, yeah. God God desires your children to be with him. So, you know. Yeah. 
I think um, the church, uh, the church, and scholars commonly agree that it's about age seven. Uh, some do say, you know, age 12, 13, because that was when, um, you know, kind of like the age when they became an adult and started, you know, living their own life, making their decisions, proclaiming things for themselves. So those are kind of the different time frames that the majority of uh, scholars would give. Yeah. All right, let's let's continue on, Jesse, because I do want to get to an announcement uh, as well. Uh, for the promise for you and your children shall all be far away as far as the Lord will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept urging them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. So I have a couple comments here that I just, you know, numbers kind of jump out at me. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, Jesse, you know, I'm, I'm very strategic. <laughs> in the, in right. Just my mind is strategic. Uh, so when I see 3,000 being saved here in this, in this day, this is and this day is really the beginning of the new covenant. It's the new church, right? Well, remember the day of the old covenant when Moses came down with the law. What happened? Yeah. Saw the golden calf. How many people were slain that day? Oh, interesting. Three thousand. Three thousand. So yeah. we have this. Comp and by the way. In the new covenant, we don't go to the grave, but the old covenant, it was the grave. Right. Well, there's another one too, Jeff, that it aligns with. Um, when Gideon marches out with his army, he started off with 3,000, but then the Lord weeds it down to 300. Yeah. So just kind of interesting. And then with David, the Lord only gives like the men that he chose to be the commanders of David's army, he chooses only 30 who uh, ruled over, like some of them oversaw 300, the others oversaw 3,000. And so you've got all these numbers at play. And here you see the Lord says he was adding 3,000 daily to their, or adding daily to their numbers. But that day he added 3,000. So. Very interesting indeed. And so the other thing I find interesting, and this is going to lead towards our our, uh, our announcement, Jesse, is, you know, we see currently when you look at the modern church. Oh, by the way, there was a really great comment that Eric made in the sermon last night about the modern church. And I want you to, when you go back and listen to it, if you didn't catch it, it really paints a very vivid picture and it's contrast to what we're seeing in the book that we're reading today. I'm just saying it's in contrast, uh, but in, Eric didn't dwell on it. He didn't have to. Uh, the point was made very clearly. Uh, so go back and listen to that. But one of the things that strikes me here, uh, because I like to think somewhat strategically, Jesse, is, you know, the modern church is always sending out missionaries. Okay, we, we're going to send two people out here. And, and by the way, I, I'm in favor of that. I, don't hear anything I'm not saying. 
I'm in favor of missionaries going and carrying the word to the corners of the earth. We're commanded to do that. Mm -hmm. But look what God did here at the beginning of a church. He brought all these people from all these different areas to this one place. Mm -hmm. Now, they all get saved. And so just think of one guy, and they, they say there's Arabs here. So Arab dude gets saved. He goes back to where he's from, and he's filled with the Holy Ghost. How many more people are going to be saved when you have all these people, these 3,000 dispersing and going out? So it's not like right. you're sending out one of the 12 people. You're sending out 3,000 people. Very interesting. <laughs> I, God, look, it's I, so powerful. <laughs> Like, have we been doing things wrong for years? I, I And I don't know the answer to that, honestly. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with sending out. I think that's biblical. Yeah. But should we not be bringing in, and what, by the way, what attracted the initial people around this? It was the Holy Spirit, the miracles, the signs. It was audible. It was visual. And it was demonstrable. Right. Not hokey pokey stuff, right? This was this was real life-changing power of God. And how do we get real life-changing power of God? It's really simple. You believe. Well, in you the believe. fellowship, it's the it's the corporate belief that because they believed they gathered together, they broke bread together, they were in the word together. And that's what drew people to them was that that corporate fellowship and in the Lord's presence. Well, and that and that's just it. And that's what we're lacking here, uh, being a podcast, being a kind of a video church. We're kind of lacking <laughs> that in person thing but they got together and, and broke bread but and just before i don't want to pass over the thing and we're just going to kind of summarize the end here of the chapter but they went from house to house they came together they broke bread and one of the things is you know because they sold all their possessions and and i've heard people say well you see this is a this is like the the communist thing you know no 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 communism is forced on people you'll You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. <laughs> no, no, no. That's forced. Yeah. These are people who didn't want distractions in their life, distracting them from doing God's work. Man, I hope I'm called to do that someday. You know, honestly, and just, just go and, you know, maybe that will happen. Uh, but they, but it also says, you know, they sold their possessions, their property, uh, and they shared them all with all to the extent that uh, that anyone who had need day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Okay, so they're going from house to house. That means not everyone is to sell all their possessions. Some people had houses, right? Right. right. So don't I, I know no one in our audience would go on that uh, on that, but it's just uh, it's just really important. And uh, and the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day and those who were being saved. So, Jesse, let's talk about some of the revelation that uh, 
that you've had over the last couple of days and uh, and how it ties in with what I have been hearing from God. And uh, let's see how uh, we, we haven't pre-planned how we're going to do this. So let's just start there. Yeah, I was in, um, I guess, you know, it started with the Lord just speaking to me. I had shared the vision about the deep call, um, calls to the deep or the deep speaks to the deep verse that the Lord kept giving to me. And so this weekend he was speaking further through that. Um, I won't get into all the details because we plan to kind of go real in depth with it um, in the near future here. But, um, you know, with that, the Lord was just saying that he's calling us to that deeper layer. And, you know, there's so many that, you know, um, they want to be in that movement of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, they they realize that the Holy Spirit really, you know, when they're connecting with him, they're they're getting into those living waters. And I kind of see it as like a, a river flowing, you know, and so many are willing just to, sh to jump in and to float down the river with the Lord. But the Lord doesn't call us just to sit there and, and ride on the surface of the waves. You know, as we get into the more turbulent or the heavier waters, there's that stirring. And the only way to, you know, get out of that stirring is, is that you have to go even deeper. And so those are the waters the Lord wants us to be willing to go into. And, you know, his word says that, that the spirit of God moves, moves in the deep, you know, so how can we access that power, that demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power? It's only if we go deeper. And one of the things when you were just speaking that if, you know, if you've ever, you know, I think most people have done kind of the lazy river experience where you're just in a raft and mm -hmm. you're just going in the flow. But when, just like Jesse said, when you get into the deeper or the more turbulent waters, well, you have to take action at that point. And you have to, you know, <laughs> otherwise you're going to get slammed into the rocks. You know, you have to steer, you have to move your raft, you have to be able to do things. And, and so I'm going to use one word to summarize that. That's acts. Mm -hmm. We're being called to do something here. And what some of the things that Jesse and I have been working on and the Lord has just opened up so many doors that we can't really speak on yet. We, I know it, we kind of keep giving this great mystery thing, but it, honestly, it's a lot of work. We don't want to get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot we could screw up in this. <laughs> just want to put that out there, but it's, but there are things for us to do and we're being called into doing some of these things. And, you know, one of them, and I'll just say the acts at, at the beginning of a church, they went from house to house, they broke bread, they were in their togetherness. And, you know, it was a, over a year ago, I had announced that we were planning on doing a retreat. And that was even before uh, Jesse did a retreat with another show with the reveal report and stuff like that. Um, it was just my conviction that I would not go across the border and, and go through those tests. Uh, and, and, Plus, because it's easy for me to get to into the States, it's hard for me to get back into Canada because I'm an American. 
they can't refuse me there. Canada has some different rules. Uh, but we believe that's broken and I believe there's a way around it. So we are going to be doing a gathering of sorts, a get together. And we're looking at it being in May, Jesse. Mm -hmm. So Jesse and I have a, a sort of a business meeting that we want to attend and it's not a, a profitable venture or anything like that. It's a, uh, it's more on this project of the stuff that the Lord has been giving uh, to us to look into. And we need to be at a specific place and time, uh, you know, in within that month. And so I'm going to stay for a little bit of extra time. And we want to meet with you in some capacity. And one of the things that uh, I really believe was put on my heart uh, and by the way, we don't know where it is yet. So we want to ask you, uh, I'll just say a couple criterias. It's probably going to be on the east side of the U.S., okay? Uh, so on the east side, uh, the place we want to go to should be easy to get to, okay? And we're asking this because perhaps there's one of you and the audience is going to help us uh, find some venues. And rather than just doing it at a hotel and booking a conference room, it's really on my heart to rent a church. And to rent a church for a couple days, because rather than giving the Hiltons or the Westons our money, I want to keep it in the kingdom. Okay. Um, so if we could rent a church on a Friday or Saturday or something like that, uh, maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so maybe you know of a place and it doesn't have to be a building with a steeple. It could be an industrial. It doesn't matter as long as there's some logistical things that we can get by. People can arrive. People can come, uh, you know, and what we will be revealing uh, in that time is going to be something that uh, no one else in the world is teaching. Is that That's fair right. to say, Jesse? That's fair to say. Um, it might be helpful. Did you uh, maybe want to give a few states you believe would be close in that eastern area, or do you want to just leave it to eastern? Well, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking we could go anywhere from Pennsylvania down to uh, to Georgia, um, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, the Carolinas, Virginia, um, you know, uh, those types of places. And, you know, there's maybe a couple other, again, just the easy, accessible. Uh, for me, I'll just say, because I'm driving down from Canada, I do need to drive. I need to bring my vehicle. Uh, because of some other stuff I'm going to be doing while I'm down there. So, you know, that's why it can't be Nevada or California. I can't spend a week each way driving. It just, that's not practical for me. Um, but yeah, uh, so our PA. So why don't you, um, yes. how can they let you know if they have a venue possibility for us? Um. <clears throat> I'm so glad you asked, Jesse. And I, here's exactly how you're going to send an email to write on contact at gmail.com. That's write on contact at gmail.com. And that's really going to be our general 
email box from now on because the the other one I was giving out before I can't keep up with it, Jesse. I I need help <laughs> on some on this email and uh, so right on contact at gmail dot com. Uh, perhaps your little church would want to uh, to rent it out. Yes, yeah, Cincinnati, Ohio isn't a bad possibility. Pennsylvania. Yeah, those are all good. I'm not sure about Baltimore, Mr. Beans. Uh, we do want and, to have some freedoms. Yeah, and what would be helpful is if when you write that email, um, put as much information as you can. So, you know, city, state, location, maybe do some of the legwork and talk with your pastor or elders or the congregation and see, you know, how much would they want to rent out for a few days and then let us know also maybe what uh, what weekends or days in um, in May would be available for that, and that will kind of really help us to weed through um, that material. So, yeah, I agree. And and you see, yeah, so uh, Brenda, those are probably two of the spots that I'm really looking at yeah. there. But uh, oh, the look, other. I, the other thing would be capacity too. Maybe put in there how how many people, what's the capacity of the church building as well. So that's right. That's right. So uh listen, we're gonna be coming, we're gonna be getting together. Um, it will be different than anything else that has been done. That will be my promise to you, uh, from our personal standpoint, from information for what the way it's going to be executed, it will be different. And, uh, and I don't think it's a mistake that we're announcing it here today because really, uh, the people who join us here on Sundays are the people we really want to come. It's not going to be as much of a Intel, um, we're going to tell you dirty government secrets or anything like that. Although that might be part of it. Um, what we have is very different and it's not being, taught anywhere else. And quite honestly, I think with the unique experiences that, uh, Jesse has throughout her life and, and even, you know, there's a reason why God paired me with her. I have some unique experiences as well. And, uh, yeah. and it's I, kind of, we're, we're putting the pu puzzle pieces together. That's right. And I just saw a question. It's a very good one. I want to clarify um, Jeff and I will work out our own hotel arrangements and everything. Uh, unless you have uh, people that want to host us, you could certainly let us know if there's families that would want to host us. Um, Jeff and I are not married to each other, but Jeff no. is married. So we would need separate arrangements. So that's good to clarify. So thank you yes. for asking that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything is done appropriately. Let's just, let's just say that there would be no question, uh, out there about that. So, uh, look, that's, that's our announcement. I hope you guys are excited. Um, uh, I wish I could go. How do you get across? Where, where is that from? Is that from Canada? Uh, Lisa Ann, I believe the borders are going to be open at that point. Um, if not, I, I, I will tell you that I'm working with uh, some constitutional lawyers and stuff like that, um, and it would be in their best interest not to detain at the border because I will create an international incident that would be very problematic for them, and I've got given it a lot of thought. 
so listen, that's uh, that's it for today. Uh, Jesse, any final thoughts at all? No, I'm excited for this. So, you know, praying people will get back to us and the Lord will show us where he wants us to go. And so thank you, just everybody who comes to support and encourage and uh, be part of this family with us, serving yeah. the Lord together. So. And it, it, it will uh, it will be a joyous time. It will be a fun time. Uh, there, we'll just we're going to make sure that uh, it's it's a memorable experience. And I I really believe that uh, much like the people in this room, you will come away. Uh, with something from the Lord because we'll be praying for that and uh, coming away a different person, a stronger person in the Lord and uh, with more tools and more ways that you can act. So, absolutely. Oh, all right. And uh, oh boy, I have to Jesse, I, I try not to do, but listen, if you want to know how to act, <laughs> You can also go to mylibertystand.com. Look, we're passionate about this, folks. Uh, if you if you think if you have submitted a form before and you said they didn't, no one contacted you. It's probably that they did, but it went into spam or there's a problem with the, the phone number you gave. So a cell phone, <coughs> excuse me, is best because people can. The first point of contact is almost always a text. Okay. Um, if that doesn't work, they'll do an email, but email, if they don't, if you're not on a friends list, it could go into spam. So just, just even beside your name, if you wanted to put in your name, like, uh, uh, Brenda, for instance, then just say, you know, put in your first and your last name and just put second time or something like that in that contact form. And we'll make sure that you're contacted. But, uh, yeah, please join us in this. It's uh, we're we're loving it, and we're really passionate about it, and we're getting more and more passionate about it during, as we go in the community that we have, Jesse. These little channels, uh, we've just we're people. People are talking. They're loving on each other. Um, yeah. they're talking about the things they're buying and how it's changing their lives. Um, it's well, really and, and we're taking it to the next level too. Um, with my ministry, illuminate the darkness. We've supported you know, survivors, champions, and veterans. And so, you know, we've we've had people who want to donate so that we can help provide household items like toothpaste, shampoos, you know, makeup, different things like that to some of these um, individuals who, you know, they're not able to go out and get jobs or work, or they're not able to um, support themselves because of, you know, the fact that they have been whistleblowers or who have, um, you know, they, they're going through hard transition times. Um, so, you know, we're trying to expand it that way. Um, you can certainly go to illuminatethedarkness.com and make donations there. And if you specifically want it to go, uh, you know, to buy household things for our vets and survivors, uh, please you know, put that um, in a memo somewhere, just saying for mylibertystand.com and all of those funds um, will go just for that to uh, provide things for those who have served our country. 
That's right. And it's just like the basic needs of life, you know, but it's one way that we can all help out. So if, if you feel called to do that, that we're going to make a, a way to do that. And it's a, it's another yeah. way that I'm going to spend that money that, uh, that, you know, would have traditionally, quite honestly, when I was attending a bricks and mortar church, I would have given my 10% there, but now I'm kind of spreading it around a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, and it but lifts I do the, you know, living. we talked today in Acts about lifting that burden, you know, from each other's shoulders. So this is one way that we can lift the burden from people, you know, where they don't have to worry about, you know, their basic needs, that those things are provided for them. And, you know, what a relief for those individuals. That's right. Um, so which day, uh, we don't have the dates yet. Um, it could be early. It could be late. Um, it probably is going around. I, I'm just going to venture out. Don't lock us in on this, but probably around that holiday weekend of May two, four, or, you know, uh, probably in around there, but we haven't committed to a date because there's a lot of factors in mind and we're going to take your suggestions of course uh but then we're going to pray over them and god will determine which way perhaps we'll cast lots jesse <laughs> okay jeff <laughs> uh barbara jean you have a question there uh listen that it, it there there is a bit of a commitment but it's very minimal uh what i would just suggest is you go through the tour. Uh, look, it's it's stuff you're, it's, let's put it this way. It's stuff you have to spend money on every single month. You may as well buy better products that do not hurt you or your family. And it's going to a patriotic company uh, in American and Canadian jobs. So uh, yeah. that's the best. Go through the tour. They'll do everything. We're actually, it's the, it's actually the policy of the company that we can't give out all the details on air because mm. their policy is it has to be done essentially one-on-one -on -one. it's not multi-level marketing uh by any means but it's a relational business and uh well, i guess we could clarify that if you know if you're not able to like if you go check it out you're not able to make a monthly uh commitment but you want to do a one-time commitment to help out you know families or things like that that's where you would go to illuminate the darkness.com and you can make a one-time donation and for that put my liberty stand and then it will go to help those families or vets or uh, survivors. Right. Amen. All right. Let's close this out. Jesse, why don't you uh, close us out in prayer? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to gather together. And um, I thank you that we can come, that we can worship together, that we can serve you together. And I ask that each of us go out this week, that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will direct us in how to impact and influence our families, our friends, our communities, and the world for, for the glory of your name and for your kingdom. Uh, because you've called us not just to be followers, but you've called us to be priests and to represent that your kingdom comes in power. So we just praise you and thank you and um, ask that you would bless us in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's no name higher than the name of Jesus. And with having said that, we're going to keep his commandments 
by loving your God, loving your family, love your neighbor, and by acts, make a difference in your community. Go truckers. Good show. Yeah, sorry that went a little. Oh, 